Okay, so we'd like to welcome you to part two of our current event and Bible study for September 9th, 2007. And this uh, part is going to, we're going to get into the, uh, a couple different subjects here, but particularly we're going to key on um, a document, a, a, uh, a series of uh, rabbinical teachings called the Talmud, which is very, very much used in the Messianic Jewish Christian Zionism John Hagee, these types of things will eventually end up getting into the Talmud. Okay, and I got a uh, an email from one of my um, patients, and she is a what they call a Messianic Jew, and these are um, like we would refer to this as the Hebrew Roots Movement, Messianic Jew, Christian Zionism, Jews for Jesus, these types of people. Okay, and and what they're doing is they're supposedly bridging the gap between Christianity and the Jewish religion. And what happens every single time when they do this is they get totally, totally, totally bound up in Old Testament Levitical law. Every single time. Okay? And we're just, I'm going to read you this letter and you'll see that right away. Uh, they start talking in Jewish terms. They start celebrating Jewish festivals. They start doing everything Jewish. Okay? Um, it's as though the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, who bring us and gave us a better covenant, and we're going to look at these verses. It's as though that sacrifice is not enough. We have to do works now in order to truly be saved. We have to celebrate the feast. We have to keep the this and that. We've got to do this and that. It's, it's a, and it turns into a works-based religion. But the Bible says, for your saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. So it's not of works that we're saved. Okay. Now, works should follow true conversion and salvation. The Bible talks about, I will show you my faith by my works. But they want to put the cart before the horse. They want to do the works to show their faith. Okay, or, or, or they're trying to do works in order to prove to everybody what a great super messianic Jew they are. So this is this starts off. She uh, she also calls herself a rabbi. Okay, so I guess that they're 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 blurring the line there. As far I don't see any um, even Old Testament rabbis that were women. I, I don't, I don't, it's just like a pastor in today's day and age. The Bible says that a pastor or a bishop or a deacon has to be the husband of one wife, not the wife of one husband. Yet you've got all these women preachers out there that's totally against the Bible. Okay, And evidently they think that they, uh, they, uh, God called them. They always say, oh, God called me to do this. Not my God, because my God wouldn't contradict His Word. It doesn't happen that way. Okay, And I have a whole... Uh, Word document, I'll email you. If you have any doubts, just email me. My email address is on the website that you're listening to on this. So this is this this letter to uh, me and to her email list starts out by saying, Shalom Mishpaka. Now this, is, this, this woman is not Jewish, as far as I know. And she's American, okay? But they've got to act as Jewish as possible, okay? Because I guess that makes them feel more holy or something. It says, this coming Sunday, September 9th, at 4 p.m., we will be having a mikvah for High Holidays. This is the ritual immersion for ritual cleansing and preparation for the High Holidays. The Torah has many reasons being called for, the, for being immersed. Now, the Torah would be in reference to the first five books of the Bible. Okay, The Torah has many, but see, they don't go by the King James Bible. They go by the Jerusalem Bible, which is just one more perversion of Scripture. Okay, it's not derived from Textus Receptus or the received text. The Jerusalem Bible, 
um, is derived from a corrupt text. Okay, So they don't go by the Bible. So when you get into any kind of theological debate with them, you tend to argue from two totally separate viewpoints because the Bible says that the foundations be destroyed. What can the righteous do? Um, Proverbs 11 verse 3. Well, there, if your foundation, which is the word of God, is destroyed or corrupted or perverted, like all these other perverted versions, which basically spawned themselves from the 1881 revised version of Westcott and Hort, which was actually derived from the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus Catholic manuscripts that were basically like um, rejects from the Catholic Church, which basically derived themselves from Alexandria, Egypt, Okay, and God told um, the kings in, in the Bible not to even go to Egypt to get your horses. Why would you want to go there to get the word of God? So the, all these perverted Bibles that spawned through Westcott and Hort's revised version of 1881, Westcott and Hort were two occultists. They had a club called the, um, uh, the Club of Hermes, which I believe is the, the, the god of death. And they also had another club called the Ghostly Guild, where they got together with people like Charles Darwin and had seances. And I mean that literally. They were friends with Charles Darwin, the, the, uh, the author of evolution. These are the men that have brought you your modern day Bible. They were the ones that authored the revised version of 1881, which spawned every other, essentially every other translation that we have today, other than the King James Bible. Every one. Okay, so this is where you get your, your Bible from if you're reading one of those false versions. So when you, when you get into an argument with a Messianic Jew, they tend to argue from uh, the Torah, from um, the first five books of the Bible, throwing out the New Testament so much of the time. Or if they do read it, they read the Jerusalem Bible, which is a corrupt text. So you, you, you tend to get in arguments, and they tend to be on a totally different playing field, which is very, very hard when you, when you get into that type of subject. Um, because their foundation's already been destroyed. So, the Torah has many reasons, I'm going back to this letter, the Torah has many reasons, call, uh, many reasons calling for being immersed, which is their ritual cleansing. Two of the most prominent are for women, who have been through a menstrual cycle, or anyone who have come in close contact or direct contact with a dead body. You talk about going back to the Old Testament Levitical law here. I mean, as for the rest of us, we should all consider going through a mikvah simply because it is, is it, it is addressed in Scripture. Going through the mikvah for high holidays is not a biblical mandate. It is a tradition. Well, that's why Jesus says, through the, tradi- through the traditions of men, you've made the word of God of none effect. See, the Bible says Christ was the end of the law. Okay? Now, that doesn't give us the right to go and live like the devil, or it doesn't mean that the law, and particularly the Ten Commandments and a lot of those things, we should not follow in regard to sin issues and things like this. But we are not saved by keeping Old Testament Levitical law. But the Messianic Jews believe that's basically how you are saved. So, then it says, we do this because most of us do not normally avail ourselves to a mikvah on a regular basis. Then this next part blew my mind. She says, the Talmud has a number of required criteria that a mikvah must adhere to in order for it to be kosher. There is only one mikvah in this area, and that is the Shabbat Lubavitch. We could go there, but we would have to follow their strict rules. Oh no! They'd have to go to Shabbat Lubavitch, and their, their rules are too strict for, for these Messianic Jews. Which are a little more than most of us are willing to do, including myself. Oh, isn't that terrible? How ironic! 
I guess even the law and the bondage that these Messianic Jews have put themselves in has its limits. You know, well, yeah, we're going to follow the law, but we're only going to go so far. No, 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 no. You want to go that route. You want to follow the law. You've got to keep it all. You can't, you can't waver or, you gotta keep every, you better live in sinless perfection if you think you're gonna keep the law and get to, and you can't do that. Because we're all born in sin. There's not one righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay? So if you're gonna take that approach, you better live, you, you better live sinless life like Jesus Christ. Because the law cannot save you. Can't do it. And really that's a slap in the face of Jesus Christ because you're basically saying, Jesus Christ wasn't enough. What he did on the cross to pay my sin debt wasn't enough. I need more. Okay, now granted, if the Holy Spirit lives inside you, there will be works following. Okay? As evidence of your faith. And these will be things that you basically want to do. It shouldn't be like somebody's twisting your arm. You know, like so many of these religions are based like that. So then it says, we will enter the pool and dunk three times. Then it is customary to give a verbal thanks to the L-RD for what he has done in your life over the past year. Now this is another thing I really, really, really love. These people that only refer to God as either Yahweh or they, or they, or they say, no, we cannot ever pronounce his name. It's an ineffable name. This is, uh, a lot of this is based totally in the occult. I have a whole Word document where I, where I talk about how the name of Jesus Christ is basically being trashed and blasphemed because they say, no, 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 we can't say Jesus because that's not the way it was spoken back in Jesus' day. We have to use the original Hebrew names or whatever. And basically, again, through their tradition, they've made, made the Word of God of an effect. Now, what you'll commonly see them do is instead of pronouncing... Uh, the word God or Lord, what they'll do is they'll do like she did here. They'll, they'll pronounce it, or they'll spell it, L-R-D. Now, show me any place in the New Testament where it says we have to do this. Or even the Old. I don't see it anywhere. But yet, they have, they have arbitrarily brought this bondage upon themselves, and I guess it makes them feel more holy. Because, no, we can't utter the name of God. No, we can't do... Show me it in the Bible. That's all I want to see. Show me it in the Bible. You know, it's not in there. It's in the occult Bibles. Okay, but this is a great example of, of and, and think about it this way. If you could never pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus Christ or Father God, or the, if you didn't feel as though you, you could ever pronounce that, how do you call out to him? Somebody that you can't even pronounce their name. Don't you think that's something Satan would just love? Oh, yeah, don't use the name of Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus Christ, upon which day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is the Most High God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh yeah, Satan don't want you to utter His name. Sure he don't. It's unbelievable. So then we go further. It says, the reason for the mikvah is just another step in walking closer to the minister, closer to minister to the L-LRD. As we prepare ourselves the best we can. To meet him during the high holidays. You know where the word holiday comes from? Holy day. Okay, which is essentially where we get a lot of our pagan holidays from. Because they were pagan holy days. Now we've put the Christian veneer on them. And again, that's a whole other study. But um, we've done that in times past. So then it says, you may wear a bathing suit or shorts and a top. So it sounds like they're really going by the moral standards here. Why not a bikini? You know, why not show up in, a, in, a, in a, maybe a string bikini? I mean, that sounds like it's okay. She said you can wear a bathing suit. 
shorts and a top, maybe a tank top, shorts, you know, be totally uncovered, you know, expose your nakedness. That's okay. As long as we feel holy because we're ritually cleansed, you can wear that string bikini. Don't worry about it. Anything goes. Then it says, if you're embarrassed, you may enter the water with a towel as well. Oh, good, I'm glad she's really upholding those godly standards. Bring a change of clothes and a towel. Yeah, I'll be sure to do that. Let's let's see what the Bible says about about a lot of this. Now, again, I just kind of put this together. I just got this email, so I'm just going to read you some... some. See, what I don't understand is, what does a Messianic Jew do with the verses I'm getting ready to read? You know what a lot of them have done? They've basically thrown out the New Testament. They basically call a lot... There's a movement within pseudo-Christianity and the occult movement to basically say Paul... They call Paul the usurper. Anything Paul wrote was no good. Only, only maybe some of the, what the gospel says in the Torah apply. Because Paul was really a bad guy. Okay, when you do that, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, if, if you argue from that standpoint, it's pointless to even get in an argument with any of them. Because, you know, if they don't even believe the word of God is what it says it is, what, what, you know, what hope is there for them? Well, Galatians uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 6 says, And I marvel that ye be so soon removed from him that called you under the grace of Christ, unto another gospel. Paul is speaking here to the Galatians, who were bewitched, and who were wanting to be brought back into the bondage of the law, because these were Jews, that they were liberated from. So Paul's saying to them, Paul, the Jew of Jews, okay, the, the, the highest Jewish pedigree of anybody in the, in the New Testament, if anybody had a right to brag about being a good Jew, Paul would. Okay, But he says, Paul says, I marvel that you be so soon removed from him, Jesus Christ, that called you under the grace of Christ, unto another gospel. See, this whole thing that I just read here about the Jewish stuff and about the Messianic Jews and about basically doing all these, keeping all these holidays and all these other things, see, that's another gospel. It's another gospel. Which is not another gospel. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. That's what we just said. We just talked about a perversion of the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preached any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Now, when she mentions the Talmud as part of a way of keeping this mikvah, you talk about another gospel. We're going to read some quotes from the Talmud in a little bit here. And we're going to see what that says. We're going to see if that's another gospel. Okay, and it is. If, if there was ever another gospel, the Talmud is it. Galatians 1.9 says, And as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than we have received, let him be accursed. Well, you get a lot of that with Christian churches nowadays. They're preaching another gospel. They're preaching some kind of feel-good thing, saying everything's going to get gooder and gooder and gooder, nothing bad's ever going to happen, and we're going to usher in the kingdom. Or we're all going to be raptured out of here before anything gets bad, and none of us are going to have to suffer which basically is a contradiction to all the martyrs that have died, and the apostles themselves, and Jesus Christ himself, who was nailed on the cross. Now, I'm not saying everybody's going to die a martyr's death, but I'm saying that if you look at history, knowing that the Bible says anything that can be shaken will be shaken, knowing that God hates Luke, the lukewarm, he's going to vomit them out of his mouth, and that the wheat is going to be separated from the chafe, Knowing that judgment must begin at the house of the Lord, knowing that it were possible even the very elect would be deceived, knowing all that things hap- knowing that all that's coming and it is happening. I, I mean, I would really want to err on the side of safety here. Um, so they say it again. He says it two times. Let him be accursed. 
Now, so these are two of the most stern warnings in all the New Testament regarding mingling grace and any with any other contrary doctrine. Now, show me any other place in the New Testament where it says, let him be accursed twice. It's a pretty stern warning. Let him be accursed. Basically like, you know, you know you're going to be accursed and go to hell. It says it twice here. And what is it in reference to? It is in reference to being removed from him, Jesus Christ, that called you to the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is what the Hebrew Roots Movement, the Messianic Jews, the Christian Zionists, via John Hagee, is their leader. That's what all of them are calling for. You know, John Hagee basically says the Jews don't have to get saved the same way we do. They have ethnic salvation. They get a get-out-of-jail-free card pass. Did you know that? Yeah! Just because the Jewish blood that runs through their veins, they're grandfathered into the kingdom of God. They don't got to go through Jesus Christ. It's just their bloodline that gets them in. We don't, well, then, therefore, we don't have to witness to them. We don't have to give them the gospel because they're going to heaven anyway. You know? But this is like the most stern warning in the New Testament. And what is in regard to mingling grace with any other, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and any other contrary doctrine. So I think it's something we want to pay attention to. And you see it totally prevalent in the churches. They've mingled so much leaven in with, you know, the true teachings of God. And it's a very dangerous position to put yourself into. If we jump ahead to Galatians 2.3, it says, But neither Titus, who was with me, now this is Paul talking, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Now again, the Jews were trying to come in and basically say, Hey, hey guys, listen, this Jesus Christ thing is all well and good, but you still, you've got to be circumcised to keep the law. Okay, now, it's one thing to be circumcised for health reasons, but they were doing it because it was basically like, we've got to be good Jews still. We've got to put ourselves under the bondage of the law. It was about, you know, it was about that more than anything. So, but neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus. This is the essence of this. That they might bring us into bondage. This is what they do. These, these people come in, like these Messianic Jews, and they say, you know, hey, this is all well and good, but we've got to mingle a lot of law. We've got to mingle a lot of bondage. Because we see the liberty that you have in Christ Jesus. And, that's, and we've spied out that liberty. But we want to bring you into the same bondage we're in, because you know what? We're holier than thou. We're holier than thou. We do all this stuff to celebrate this and that and keep this and that. And we're, we've put ourselves under the law. We're better than you. We have a closer walk with, the, with G-D than you. Or L-D or, or Yahweh or whatever they say. Okay? Yeah, Okay, now listen, I'm not saying that some of those names couldn't be valid names for Jesus Christ in Hebrew or whatever. But the thing is, and some of them aren't, okay, and I've proven that in, in these articles. But... We have a King James Bible in the English language. The Lord Jesus Christ and His name, and that is always, that's what we're taught, that's our native language, and that's what's worked for us. And, you know, I don't believe we have to go back into all this Hebrew root stuff in order to be, get right with God. And, you know what else? I look at the fruit of the Messianic Jewish movement, and the Hebrew roots movement, and the Christian Zionism, and I see how deceived these people are. And I, you have to wonder... Because they're so deceived, how could God truly be speaking to them these things? Why would God have them straining at gnats and swallowing camels 
on an everyday basis. You know, omitting the weightier matters. Okay, but that's what the Messianic Jews and the Jews for Jesus and the Christian Zionists do. They strain at gnats. They want to they get in all this little superfluous stuff here that keep us in bondage. And yet they ignore the more important doctrines of the scriptures. So it says... Um, and because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, this is the whole point of the Messianic Jewish movement and these types of things, bring you into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not an hour. Now, they, in the New Testament, Paul didn't let them even come into their churches for more than an hour before they were kicked out. Oh, but today it's not like that. Come one, come all. Yep, just let them all come in. Let's a little leaven, leaven at the lump. We just the more leaven, the better. That's the that's the attitude of the churches today. But back then, it was different. The Bible says in First Corinthians chapter five, in regard to a person that had taken his father's wife to marry. In reference to that person, it says, "Therefore, turn such an one over to Satan." For the destruction, well, it says, actually it says, when two or three of you are gathered together, turn such an one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the soul may be saved in the day of the Lord. Which is much more merciful than letting him live in his sin and die and go to hell. And then it says, wherefore purge out the old leaven, that the whole lump be made new. In other words, purge that person out of your congregation that's bringing sin into the camp, just like Achan did in the Old Testament. What happened there? Well, when they went, when, when Achan brought sin into the camp, when he, when he took the Babylonian garment and the wedge of silver from Jericho and he brought it into the Israeli camp, they lost the battle at Ai, the next battle. And they lost like, you know, I don't know, 20 or 30 people. 20 or 30 people died because there was sin in the camp. But today in the modern day churches, anything goes. Oh, it's okay, brother. We don't want to judge. You know, we don't. But the Bible says he was spiritual, judgeth all things. Jesus Christ said, judge righteous judgment. Not hypocritical judgment, which is where you have a beam in your own eye and you're judging the speck in your brothers. But we have to judge all day long. Try to get out on the road and not judge. Oh, that light's red, but I'm just going to go through it. You know, see how long you'd live. You have to judge every day. And we're supposed to do that using primarily the scriptures as the light upon which we make our judgments. Okay? That's why the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Psalm 91, verse 105. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119, verse 11. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Psalm 91, verse 9. So this is how we cleanse our way. This is how we cleanse sin and iniquity from us. This is how we build faith. This is how we have a lamp before us. We get into the word of God and we read it. And, and um, this is, these are very important things to understand in regard to this subject. So, it says, To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. See, when you give place or subjection to these people that come in and that are leavening, let's say, your congregation or whatever, when you give place to them, it hinders the gospel, the truth of the gospel, continuing. It says it right here. It says, to whom we give place... By subjection, no, not for an hour. They purged these people out that were bringing in these damnable heresies into there because they were trying to bring them back into particularly Jewish bondage, in this case. Kicked them out. Didn't let them stay there for an hour. Why? 
so that the truth of the gospel might continue. Because when the leaven is in the church like like it is truly in the church, the true truth of the gospel cannot continue. It is hindered. This is why it's so important. There's souls at risk. There's souls that are on the verge, I mean, a heartbeat from dropping into hell. There's souls at risk. So let's go further. If we go to Galatians 2.14, then it says, But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, these are the Jews that came in, that brought in this, wanted to bring them into, into bondage. So when Paul saw that they walked not uprightly, According to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? In other words, he's saying to Peter, Why are you, why are you trying to uh, impose the Jewish traditions and culture upon the Gentiles? When you don't, you know, it's like a double standard he's talking about here. Then it says in the next verse, who We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Here we go. A man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Not by works of righteousness are we are saved, but according to His mercy He saved us, is what the Bible says. So, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, and this is all we're talking about here, with the Messianic Jews, the Christian Zionists, the, the, the Hebrew Roots Movement, They're trying to justify themselves by the works of the law, but you can't do that. We're only justified by the faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. What do these Messianic Jews and the Hebrew Roots Movement and the Christian Zionists do with these verses? What do they do with them? I don't understand how they could... What Bible are they reading? Even in an NIV, it's going to you know, say something similar, hopefully. I don't know. I just don't see what they... You know what they do? They ignore. They ignore. Oh, it's as though it's not even there. I'm above that. I'm above that. Move away from me. I'm holier than thou. As it talks about in Isaiah 66. And these are the very people that are the most polluted, and yet they think that they're holier than thou. Really burns me up, because, you know, these people, you know, act as though they're better. To boot. And it's an abomination for the pit of hell in the sight of God, this stuff. If we go further, Galatians 3.1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? This is the next chapter. This is, Galatians is a rebuke to the Galatians. Okay, Paul's rebuke to the Galatians, the people in Galatia who were the church there. Oh, foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you? That implies witchcraft, doesn't it? Bewitching someone would be like casting a spell over them. This is what these, these people that came in to spy out, they were, in this case they were Jews, and I'm not saying it couldn't be another religion doing the same thing, but in this case what we're in reference to here is the Jewish bondage that they were trying to bring them into. See, Christ was a better covenant, okay? And they saying, no, no, he, yeah, he's a good covenant, but we still want the old one, too. We want them both. We, we, we feel more holy, we feel more religious if we have them both. Okay? So it says, O foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you? That ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath evidently been set forth, crucified among you. See, what it always comes back to is Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. 
His shed blood, His atonement on the cross for our sins. And then it says, Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, capital S, meaning the Holy Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Well, this is what the works of the flesh are. Oh, we'll keep the high holy days. We'll do this. We'll do that. I'll wear my 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 Jewish skull cap and I'll I'll wear my rabbinical garb and I'll look real holy and everybody will think I'm such a man of God. Give me a break. It's an abomination in the sight of God. He that is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. I mean, these people are trying to be highly esteemed and oh, look at him, you know. Uh, then it goes on to say, Galatians three four says, "Have you suffered so many things in vain?" If it be yet in vain, he therefore that ministereth, ministereth to you the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth it he by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Always comes back to faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Um, so these are things that we have to have. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So are they doing these miracles? Because at the time, the, the apostles and these, they were doing mighty miracles. Okay, So he asked them the question, are you working miracles? Are you doing it by the works of the law? Keeping the law? Or are you doing it by faith? By the hearing of faith? They're doing it by faith in Jesus Christ. Through the power of the Holy Spirit that lived inside them, they were empowered to go forth and do, and do these miracles. Galatians 3.6 Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness... See, what was that about? Faith. He believed God. It was accounted him for righteousness. Knowing ye therefore, they which are of faith are, are the children of Abraham. Get that. That kind of does away with the whole Jewish bloodline thing in some respects. Because the Jews think, oh, we're better because we have this Jewish blood flowing through our veins. Okay. Now, granted, the Bible says to the Jews first and then to the Greeks. Okay, Jesus came to his own, his own received him not. Okay, then it says blindness in part has happened to the Jew until the fullness of the Gentile come in. I believe until the fullness of the Gentile come in, meaning that the 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 vast majority of the Gentiles get saved. There's a blindness that has happened to Israel because they rejected the Son of God on the cross. Okay, they rejected their very own Savior. It says blindness in part has happened to the Jew. Until the fullness of the Gentile come in. So the Jews have been blinded in part. This is why not many Jews get saved. Because they've been blinded in part, according to the Bible, because of their rejection of Jesus Christ. When they said to Pilate, crucify Jesus Christ, give us Barabbas, we want the murderer, crucify the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our Savior, our only hope. They brought a curse on themselves, essentially, corporately. Okay? That's why the Bible says blindness in part is happening to the Jew to the fullness of the Gentile come in. Does that mean I think I'm better than... No. The Bible says boast not against the, the true branch, which actually is the Jew. Because you could also be taken out yourself. We are the wild vine grafted into the olive tree, the olive tree being Jesus Christ, and that's according to the book of Romans. So we don't want to boast against the branches. I don't, I'm not doing that. I'm just trying to establish a perspective here for, for these types of... Um, for the scriptures here. So... Galatians 3.6 then, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseen that God would justify the heathen, which is basically what we were before we got saved, the heathen. God would justify the heathen through faith. It's always through faith. That's how we get justified. 
preaching before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. This is why he said that to Abraham. In thee. So then, if ye be, so then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. In other words, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ through faith, his death, burial, and resurrection, he paid your sin debt, you receive him as your Lord and Savior. They which be of faith, the faith that I just mentioned, are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. You want to you live under the law? The stuff we, You're under the curse still. You're under the curse. And that curse is going to blind you too. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So that's why I said, you've got to keep every single point in the law. And nobody's capable of doing that. It's not capable of it. Then it says, But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by what? By faith. No man, you don't, you don't get justified by the law in the sight of God. The just shall live by faith. And when you say that, you're basically saying that the price that Jesus Christ paid on the cross was not good enough for you to get you into heaven. You have to have something else to get you into heaven. You can't have that. It's either Jesus Christ or nothing. It's black and white. And then it says in verse 12, Galatians 3, 12, and it says, And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Then Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. See, he's redeemed us from the curse of the law. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Always comes back to faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Isn't it better that way, though? I mean, I am so happy I don't have to keep all these Levitical laws. That it's a matter of my faith in Jesus Christ. Actually, it's a lot less pressure if you really think about it. I mean, just humbly come before the Lord Jesus Christ as a little child. As he talks about, I mean, the Bible, he says, you know, you, you must come before me as a little child. If you don't come before him as a little child, you will not receive the kingdom of God. And, and these are the things that we have to do before the Lord. But, but isn't it, doesn't it take a lot of pressure off you to know that all you have to do is come before him as a little child and say, you know something, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you know, I, I, I can't do it. I can't keep the law. I can't keep all these things. But, but I, I can have faith in you. I can have faith. That is sufficient. That, and then from that, by getting saved, the Holy Spirit living inside you, works will follow. And as you read the Bible more and more, your faith will get stronger. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So it builds. And, and I, to me, I think it's a way better, it is a better covenant, as, as the Bible talks about here. So then it says, Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Um, now to Abraham and his seed, were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed which is Christ. See, <coughs> if ye be, what was that one verse? Let me just find it real quick. I'm just going to skip ahead here real quick. In order to verify this, Galatians 3.29 says, and if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. That's called being grafted in to the wild, that's a wild olive branch, meaning 
us as non-Jews being grafted in to, to, the, uh, to the vine. The true vine, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, and Jesus makes reference to that also in John 15, where he says, you know, I am, I am the vine and you're the branches. Okay, so we're the branches. And then he says, without me, you can do nothing. So unless the branch is connected to the vine, to the power source, which is Jesus Christ, you can't do anything. So it says here, see this is another thing, that what, what, do, what do the Hebrew Roots movements and the Christian Zionists and all this other stuff, what do they do with this verse? If you be Christ, meaning if you're saved, if you're his child, then you're Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Says it right there. What do these people do with that verse? But see, they want to say, oh, no, no, that's not, no, no. They're Jews. They're, they're different. They've got that blood and they're grandfathered in. They don't have to get saved the same way we do. They get a jail-free card pass. Don't you know that? So, then it says, And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the Jew, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions. See, the law came to basically point out our sin. Okay? Had it not been for law, we would not have known sin. This is why we, we got the law in the first place. Okay? It was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. That was Jesus Christ. So see, we were under the law until the true seed came, until the promise was made. And he was the one that ultimately paid our sin debt. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of the mediator. Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. Okay, so it says it right here. There wasn't a law that was ever given that could have given life. See, it's through Jesus Christ that we're actually given life. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. And it, again, it comes, keeps coming back to the promise through Jesus Christ upon which them that believe in Him. But before our faith came, we were kept under the law. Now remember, this is Paul speaking to the Jews. But in their perspective, before faith came, which was Jesus Christ, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. It was revealed through Jesus Christ. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified through faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. You're not under the law after Jesus Christ has come. For ye are all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. How many times could it say it over and over and over again? <laughs> For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Oh, what do they do with that one? Huh. There is neither Jew nor Greek in Christ. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For we are all one in Christ. In, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Well, it doesn't sound like they can go around saying, well, I'm a Jew and I'm better than you. Or I'm a Messianic Jew and I keep the law. Doesn't this blow away their whole religion? Just these brief verses in Galatians? Not to mention what it says in, in Hebrews and in Romans. I could do a whole other study on these same types of verses in Hebrews and Romans. And then it says in Galatians 3.29, after it says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, 
for you're all one in Christ. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. Abraham. Basically the father of the Jewish race. Okay? You're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Abraham was justified through faith. That's how, that's how he was accounted righteous unto God. We're the same way. We're justified through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, though. Christ hadn't quite come yet, okay, in Abraham's day. But it always does seem to boil down to faith. You, you can, it's, it's a David faith. It's what it really boils down to. But doesn't that take a lot of pressure off you as a person? It's faith. It's not like, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to be a good Catholic, I've got to do the seven sacraments and pray the rosary 20 times a day and genuflect to Mary and go on my pilgrimage to Mecca and bow down to the, my, my Hebrew statues and do this and do that and bound up in all this false religion. It's not any of that. For you're saved by grace, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, if you could be saved through works, you could boast about it. Which is what everybody in all these false religions loves to do. Oh, look at me, I'm better than you. I'm a good Catholic. I'm a good Hindu. I'm more holy. I'm more religious. Who cares? That, that is all a filthy rag in God's eyes. For we are all together as an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness are as filthy rags, according to Isaiah 64, 6. That's how it is. So then Galatians 4.9 says, But now, after you have known God, this is where, this is speaking to Messianic Jews, Hebrew roots particularly. But now, after you have known God, see, they had already gotten the truth from Paul. After you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Because it's human nature. We want to be religious. We want to look religious. We want to wear the long flowing robes. We want to celebrate the sabbats and do all this other stuff. They knew God, but they wanted to turn back to the weak and beggarly elements that couldn't save, where again they were desiring to be back in bondage. I don't understand it. Personally, I can't relate to it. Why do you want to desire to be in bondage? Life's hard enough, whereas desiring to be you know, in bondage... And then, then what does it say? This is interesting. How, how, how is this bondage manifesting? Well, we're going to see here. Galatians 4.10 Ye observe days, and months, and times, and years. I am afraid of you, lest I bestowed upon you labor in vain. So when Paul went there and labored to try to break them free from this curse of the law, from desiring to be in bondage, It's not so much the curse of the law, but they wanted to bring themselves into bondage by the law when Jesus Christ had already been here and he was a better covenant. Okay, they wanted, they wanted to go back to the law. What was the main way that they were wanting to go back to the law? By observing days and months and times and years, which is exactly what all the Hebrew roots people and the Christian Zionists, and there's a big movement in the Pentecostal movements, oh, we, you know what the true, the true thing is? We've got to go back to the Jewish feasts. You've seen this, I'm telling you, it's permeating through pseudo-Christianity like crazy. I know, I came out of hardcore Pentecostalism. And a lot of this was creeping in even back when I came out of it. And again, the letter that we were reading, that's all this was about. The mikvah for the high holidays. What is that? That's observing days and times and years. Oh, we can only celebrate the Lord's Day on Sabbath. We, we've got to go back to the Sabbath now, you know, the, what is it, Friday, Friday evening when the sun goes down to Saturday evening. Oh, if we're not doing that, we're not true Christians, say the Seventh-day Adventists. 
or the Messianic Jews who, who strictly keep Sabbath. Yeah, they, they keep that Sabbath, and that makes them feel real holy. Well, boy, you better be careful, because if you're going to keep that Sabbath the way the Old Testament says keep it, you better not even pick up a, a stinking stick, lest you might fall into hellfire. Give me a break. We have got a better... Jesus Christ is the end of the law, it says. doesn't mean it gives us a carte blanche license to go out and live like the devil. It doesn't mean that the Ten Commandments are not good. Okay, but we don't get to heaven through those things. We get to heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything less is an affront to Jesus Christ. It's an insult to Him to say that we can keep days and weeks and bondage and do all these other things and work our way to heaven. We're no better than the Catholics then when we try to do that. Then he says in verse 21, Tell me ye that desire to be under the law. This is Paul, a Jew of Jews, the one that was more under the law than anybody that, that was any of the apostles. He says, tell me ye that desire to be under the law. He's getting sarcastic. He's sarcastic here. Ye that desire to be under the law, tell me. Do ye not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, and one by a bondmaid, the other a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. This was Ishmael. This was where we get the modern day, partly, Arab races where they arise from Ishmael. Well, why was that bad? Well, because Abraham went ahead of God and believed Sarah, and basically because they were very very much advanced in age, and basically she said, here, take my handmaiden, go into her, have a child, she'll conceive a child, and that way we can fulfill the promise that the Lord promised you. But see, they were running ahead of God. Look at the mess that created. Look at the Middle East now. A lot of it's because of that one mistake. So see, you never know how one sin that you commit can have ramifications for generations and generations and generations. And think about all the people that were born as a result of Ishmael that are actually going to have to burn in hell too. Because there ain't a whole lot of them getting saved. I'm sorry. But there's not a whole lot of people in the Middle East that are getting saved. I'm not saying that the Lord Jesus Christ couldn't reverse that. But I'm talking about for literally thousands of years, those people have been for the most part plunging straight into hell. And... I'm not saying this because I think I'm so perfect and so sinless or whatever, but, but it was just an example for us. You know? and, yet, and yet Abraham is the one that's upheld here as he was justified by faith, even though he had a lapse of faith. Well, so did David. He was a mighty man of God. The only person that the, the Bible ever said was a man after God's own heart. And yet, you know, he committed adultery, he murdered, he did, he did a lot of these things. He had lapses of faith and, and sin got the best of him too. So, you know, that doesn't give us a license to sin as Christians, but, you know, you know, they were human like anyone else. So, it says, He who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. This was Ishmael. But he of the free woman was by the promise. That was Sarah. The free woman was Sarah, and that was the promise that was given to Father Abraham. That they would have a child, and of that child, they would, ultimately, the Jewish race would come. Then it says in verse 24, Galatians 4.24, which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar, for Agar is in Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which is now, which now is, and, the, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, breaketh forth, and cry, which thou which travailest not, for the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac, are the children of the promise. See, we are the children of the promise. If you are in Christ Jesus, if, if you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 
promise to Abraham was given that, 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 that he would be a father of many nations. Okay? And that he would be a blessing to many nations. Okay? So, we now we brethren, as Isaac was, are children of the promise. Now how is that? Through faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't, again, isn't that awesome? I think that's great. You know, it's not, well, no, we don't have to travel to Mecca twice a year and bow to, bow to Allah, the moon god. We don't have to do any of that junk. We don't have to go out and strap a, 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 a nail bomb on our back and run into, a, uh, run into a thing and blow everybody up in order to be in paradise and have 99 vestal virgins that are beck and call. And all those people are going to happen to them is going to plunge straight into hell. What a rude awakening. Those guys that do that and they think that they're going to, uh, they think that they're going to appropriate paradise or something. How delusional. We now, brethren, as Isaac was our children of the promise, but as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. Isn't that always been the way it was? Ishmael, the race that he propagated it, didn't they always hate the Jews? Yeah, they did. They still do this day. Just go over to the Middle East and you'll see. <laughs> that mess over in the Middle East primarily is because of, of just Abraham stepping out of faith that one time. And and you now granted God foreknew this, he ordained it. Okay, he knew, he knows the beginning from the end. I'm not beating up on Abraham. I'm just saying it's a good example of how one sin can have ramifications for for literally thousands of years. Um so nevertheless what saith the scripture cast out the bondwoman and her son for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. We are we are pictured as a type of the son of the free woman, as children of the promise, through the Lord Jesus Christ, where there's neither Jew nor Greek, according to God. Okay? Stand fast, therefore, with the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. See, this is a liberty. This is liberating. Don't you think? Instead of being in bondage, what is the opposite of bondage? Liberty. Liberty. We have liberty. Not liberty to sin, but liberty to live our lives freely through the Lord Jesus Christ, through His death, burial, and resurrection, through the Holy Spirit that lives inside us. The Bible says, according to Galatians 2.20, that we are crucified with Christ, and, and we do not live. Nevertheless, Christ liveth in us. We're crucified with Christ. Okay, so, be, uh, then it says, it said all that to say this, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. This is what I say to the Messianic Jews, and, and the, the Christian Zionists, and the Hebrew Roots Movement people. Be, the Bible says, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. In other words, if you go as a good Jew, and you get circumcised, which is a, which is a type of, of keeping the law, okay, Christ's going to profit you nothing. You're going to go straight to hell if you do that. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that he is a debtor to do the whole law. You better keep it all. You better live in sinless perfection, and it can't. It ain't going to be done. Can't do it. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever you are justified by the law. What was this letter I just read? Were they not trying to seek to justify themselves through the law through keeping the Jewish holy days? Christ has become of no effect unto you. Yet they think they do with God's service, and they do evil. Whosoever you, Christ has become of no effect on you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. So it's right there. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. See, one of the fruits of the Spirit which will manifest, the highest fruit of the Spirit which will manifest, if the Holy Spirit lives inside you, is love. Which is the full embodiment of that is charity. Because that's what the Bible says, above all, seek charity. Practice charity. Which is really the highest embodiment of love. And charity is not the modern day definition of taking a bag of goods down to the Salvation Army and dropping it off there. Charity is the actual, in the... In the um, 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary, when it defines charity, which is really the dictionary that defines the words in the King James Bible much more accurately, because it was written in the time frame of that. And now you can go up on the internet and actually look. There's an online 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary that you can go up to and you can find the words and see what they meant in the King James Bible. And this is what I do always before I try to go back to any kind of Hebrew or Greek. Okay, because going back to the Hebrew and Greek can somewhat be dangerous because we can start to interpret God, the Word of God, as, oh, it doesn't really mean that. You've got to be really careful with that. Okay? Um, but when you go back to Webster's 1828 and it defines the words in the context for which the King James Bible was written, a lot of times the Bible comes alive in a whole different way, which is kind of neat. And, and that's available online. Just email me if you don't... Um, know how to get there. I forget the name of the website. Um, then it goes forth, uh, for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. He said, ye did run well to the Galatians at the first. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This was when they, these, these, these um, Jews came in to spy out their liberty and bring them into bondage through the Jewish Levitical law. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. Think about that. Apply this to the Messianic Jew. Or the Hebrew roots, the Christian Zionist. This persuasion that you say God brought you to, to be brought into all these high holy days, and keeping the law, and, and, and only eating kosher, and all this other stuff. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. I mean, it didn't come from Jesus Christ didn't come from him. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. This is what's happened to the churches. They're leavened. And they've been leavened. And leaven is always a type of sin. I have confidence in you. And it only takes a little bit of leaven to leaven a lot of yeast. It only takes a little bit of sin to permeate and destroy everything. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. See, he wasn't preaching circumcision. He may have been at one time, Paul was, when he was called Saul of Tarsus, but no, he wasn't anymore. And in the offense of the cross would have ceased if he, if he had preached circumcision. I would, I would, they were even cut off which trouble you. That's a pretty strong thing. He said, I wish they were cut off. Which trouble you? Huh. You don't hear any of that preaching in the church anymore. That sounds like, wow, I wish God would judge them. I wish God would cut them off. They'd trouble with you. Instead of, what is more merciful? For some devil to come into a church and leaven that church? Let's just say, let's boil it down and make it simple. Some level... Uh, some guy that brings in damnable heresies and leaven, comes into a church, he leavens the church, a lot of people fall away from the faith. Or would it be more merciful for that person, before that happened, for him to be cut off and not be permitted into that church to leaven that church? What's more merciful? 
and God's eyes. This is why I pray Psalm 64 all the time. That God would actually judge the wicked. The wicked that will not repent. If God would judge them in this lifetime, the Bible says in Psalm 64 that many would see and fear and declare the work of God and they would wisely consider His doing. Great fear would fall upon these people like when Ananias and Sapphira were actually... They were actually killed, but what was the fruit of that? The fruit was, is that many were saved, many were converted, and great fear fell upon the camp. But we don't hear that kind of preaching anymore in the churches. It's non-existent. Because that might affect our donations for the week. Oh, we wouldn't want that. I mean, we've got to make that house payment for the pastor, and, and he's got to you know, be keeping up with the Joneses' pastors. You know, so we, we, don't, we don't want to do anything that might make us unpopular with the brethren. You know, or I might be ostracized among my pastor peers, my, my 501c3 pastor peers, who all got brainwashed in the cemeteries they went to. I mean, seminaries, I'm sorry. Oh no, we wouldn't want any of that. Now, I'm not making a blanket statement that every seminary has ever turned out as somebody evil. I'm not saying that, okay? But, for the most part, the seminaries are just an extension of the 501c3. They're, they tell them, get, in, get involved in this, get yoked up. Establish your church this way. Hey, if it was good for, for brother so-and-so, who's your mentor, why isn't it good enough for you? You think you're better than him? See where it all starts? Through the traditions of men, they've made the word of God of none effect. So then, it says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh. But by love, serve one another. Didn't Jesus Christ say that they that would be greatest among you would be your servant? Servant. That's the highest thing I personally aspire to, to be a servant to others. But, oh, that's not popular. Why do you think Jesus made the example of washing the disciples' feet? The Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, washes the filthy disciples' feet, who basically, most of them just abandoned Him right after that, after the Last Supper. I would say Jesus Christ was setting that example for us, as far as humility goes. Okay, so bring out the foot bath tail, we're going to wash everybody's feet. Oh, sorry, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, anyway, so, but it's, it's a good example for us to follow. Because if, if it was good enough for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's, it's an example that, again, humbling ourselves, coming before Him as a little child, um, seeking to be one's servant. The, he also says, they that, that are last will be first. So don't seek to be first. Seek to be last. Because, you know, everything's opposite the way we have things viewed. So if we go further... Although there are congregations that do do that. I have heard congregations that do that. And I, I've heard some pretty amazing testimonies come out of that. You know, when they washed each other's feet, you know. Uh, a lot of, a lot of um, people that were at odds with one another for years and years and years, when they actually did that, the rifts that were, were within congregations melted overnight. It, it can happen. You know, with that, okay? So, Galatians 5.14 says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Here it is. All the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But there's nothing in that about keeping all tenets of the Levitical law. Okay? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Well, I could be accused of that today. Oh, you're biting and devouring these men of God. No, I'm not. The Bible says, Wherefore, um, mark them which cause division and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. That's Romans um, 16, verse 17 and 18. 
We are supposed to mark those which cause division offenses. That is much more merciful than keeping our mouths shut and saying, oh no, we, we don't want to judge lest we might be judged ourselves. We are supposed to judge sin. <clears throat> because sin is not being judged and because these devils are allowed to get away with what they're allowed to get away with in the pulpit, leaven has come into the church and the church has been basically ruined. <clears throat> the Bible says, speak evil of no man. But there's a big difference between evil and truth. Are we supposed to speak truth of people? Paul himself said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. He also said, Demoth hath forsaken me for this present world. He named them by name. He said, mark them, which caused division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. He who is spiritual judgeth all things. This is things, because it's not happening in the church, the leavens come in and... Um, the church is in the state it's in. So then it says, Galatians 5.16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, the Holy Spirit. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Okay, now, I said all that, and I'm just going to give you right now, we're going to end it here, by talking about the Jewish Talmud for a little bit here. So, what is the Jewish Talmud that was mentioned here? Now, understand something. If you, if you get into the Messianic Jewish stuff, and you get into the Hebrew Roots Movement, and even parts and tenets of the Christian Zionism, and even parts of the Pentecostalism, they want to get into this. And they start thinking they're getting a new revelation from God. A revelation that's contrary to the Word of God. And if it's contrary to the Word of God, it's not from God. That's the point. And, you know, they start thinking that, you know, oh yeah, we, we're, we're better than you and we're more religious. And then they start thinking, well, I wonder what this says and that says. And they start going into extra-biblical books quite a bit. The Talmud is typically where they start getting off. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Doug just added that um, people like Jacob Presh and uh, these, these Hebrew Roots Movement guys, they demand that we go back to the Talmud. And I, I've seen that. I've seen that as well. I have whole articles where, where it's all documented, um, their own actions. But they're demanding that the word of God is not enough. No, no, no. Not only do they read a perverted text, not only do they not go by the whole Bible, but they have to go by these extra biblical books. So, what is this Jewish Talmud, and can Christians use it as an addition to the Old Testament scriptures? Now, this is from uh, Dispatch. Uh, this guy's, I think, from Australia. Uh, End Time Ministries. It's www.dispatch, D-E-S-P-A-T-C-H. Uh, just look up, it's, it's a pretty long email address, but it's Dispatch. And this guy's got some really good stuff. And it says, the following brief comments, the following brief comments on the Talmud have been researched from the article Biblical Fundamentalist, February 15, 1994. The Talmud is believed by Orthodox Jews to have been given by God to Moses on Mount Sinai. They, they are really oral laws handed down through the centuries right from Moses. This is a lie from the pit of hell. God gave whatever he gave to Moses there, and we don't have to add to, unto it or take away from it. But they always want to say, you know, we got to add to it. To, you know, and you see, that was what Jesus contended with when he came back. You know, this is what he said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He says, you know, you've, you've, you've made the word of God of none effect through your traditions. You've brought bondages on men that no man can bear. 
But they do it because Satan is always wanting to bring people in religious systems into bondage. Because what does that do? It gets your eyes off Jesus Christ and it gets it on the bondage. Oh, I've got to do this. And now I've got to do that. And now I've got to do this. And you're totally not even thinking about Jesus Christ. You're just thinking about being religious and trying to keep up with whatever your, your religion demands of you. So the first and the original writings were named the Mishnah. Later, a commentary on the Mishnah was produced called Jamaria. Now both are called the Talmud. So in other words, they combine these two, and the word Talmud means instruction. Most Jews are not religious and know little about the shocking teachings of the Talmud. This is why it was so unbelievable that she would quote the Talmud. Supposedly, a rabbi and her husband the rabbi. Okay? Today, the New Testament is banned in the state of Israel. But the Talmud is declared by the religious Jews to be from God. Totally binding and authoritative. It is even higher in the authority than the Old Testament. There are two main Talmuds, the Palestine Talmud and the Babylonian Talmud, the later being the most authoritative in the rabbi's eyes. Now, how did the Babylonian Talmud get its name? Well, if you think about it, when the Jews were taken into captivity under Nebuchadnezzar, okay, when they came out of Babylon, they took a lot of what they learned in Babylon with them. They weren't all like Daniel. Okay? They weren't all like Daniel. Most of them were not. And they were in this corrupt pagan society in Babylon. And when they came out of that, and when they got to Jerusalem, they combined a lot of this Jewish mysticism, uh, basically turned it into a big Jewish mysticism witchcraft thing. Okay? The Talmud were the oral writings from this. And what ended up happening is, is when... Jesus was crucified, and he predicted the destruction of Jerusalem in 64 AD, the Jews had to go someplace. They actually went at that point, the religious Jews, many of them went back to Babylon. Okay? This is where the Babylonian Talmud was written. When they went, and that's why they call it the Babylonian Talmud. I mean, well, how, how, how pagan can you get? Can anything that comes from Babylon be good? Babylon is in modern day Iraq right now. And they're actually doing excavations and actually trying to rebuild the city. I mean, there's, there's um, all kind of pictures up on the internet you can go right now and see. They're actually rebuilding um, um, Babylon. So this is where the Babylonian Talmud were. It is the, it is the second Talmud and it's the most authoritative in supposedly the rabbi's eyes. The rabbis in the Talmud are to be believed to be greater than God in the Babylonian Talmud. The commands of the rabbis, now this is from, every quote I'm going to read you is from a part of the Talmud. This is from Urban. 20b, page 149-150. The commands of the rabbis are more important than the commands of the Bible. End of quote. <laughs> right there alone. Burn this thing. Next quote. God intervenes in a rabbinical dispute and is logically defeated by a rabbi. God is defeated by the wisdom of a rabbi? Oh, is that so? God proclaims the rabbi the victor in the debate. Whatever. That's from Baba Mezia, 59b, page 353. The next quote from Baba Bethria, page 59. The rabbis are greater than the prophets. Uh, I, I can hardly read this. The next quote from Kenareth, page 717. Canaanites who live in Israel will have eternal life. That's <laughs> all it takes. Canaanite living in Israel, like, they got eternal life. This is, ethnic, this is called ethnic salvation. Total salvation apart from Jesus Christ. Eh. This is what the Christian Zionists believe. John Hagee and his crew. 
who are the ones that are inciting Bush for us to go and nuke Iran more than anybody. They're, the, they're, the, they're worse than Bush. Where is the faith in all that? Show me in the New Testament where it says, Thou shalt go and nuke thy neighbor, and shall destroy him, because they're wicked, and they're no good. Because if you don't do it, thou shalt be destroyed. I don't see it any place in the New Testament. I'm sorry, I just don't see it. Where is the faith in that? Where is the faith in that that Jesus Christ could protect you from, from these pagans? It's pathetic. Then, let's read the next quote. This is from Pesham, page 583, 582. He who recites Psalm 145 three times a day will have eternal life. Talk about a get-out-of-jail-free card pass. This is this next quote from Sabeum. Now remember, this is all from the Babylonian Talmud. Sabeum, page 419. Israel's, quote, Israel's sins were atoned for by the cloths of the high priest. End of quote. Talk about another gospel. Paseum, page 582. Living in the land of Israel give, gives one eternal life. Well, Doug, book my plane flight out of here. I always wanted eternal life the easy way. Well, here we got, we got the solution. We just got to live in the land of Israel. And then what does the Talmud say about Jesus and Mary? I, I don't even like reading this, but I think it's necessary in order to show how wicked this is and to show that this is foundational to the Jewish faith, to the Christian Zionists, to um, the Messianic Jews, to the Hebrew Roots Movement people. This is foundational. Now, another thing that they end up getting into is the Kabbalah, which is the highest form of Jewish mysticism and witchcraft. This is the, this is the true Jewish witchcraft book. Incredibly powerful witchcraft. Okay, The Kabbalah is the next stepping stone from the Talmud. I'm just telling you, this is the way their religion is set up. What does the Talmud say about Jesus and Mary? This is from Yebamoth, page 324. Quote, Jesus was a bastard, born of adultery. End of quote. This is another quote from Sanhedrin, page 725. Mary was a whore. Jesus was an evil man. End of quote. This is another quote. Shabbat, page 504. Jesus was a magician and a fool. Mary was an adulteress. End of quote. Yeah, that's what the Talmud says about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That, that, that gets me pretty fired up. I'm sorry, but that, you know, the Bible says be angry, be angry and sin not. <laughs> I don't even like reading that, but I think it's necessary in order to understand this wickedness. Then, what, is the, what does the Talmud say about Christians? Okay? You think they're your buddies? Okay, let's see. Adariah, Zariah. So many people just want to grovel at a Jew's feet. Oh, they're better. They're, they're of the bloodline. They're of this or that. If you be of Christ, you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You're, there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female. That's what the Bible says. Now, does that mean I don't think the emphasis is not going to go back to the Jewish race during the tribulation? Yes, I do think it's going to go back to the Jewish race during the tribulation. It's very evident that that's going to happen according to Revelation. Okay? But again, blindness in part has happened to the Jew to the fullness of the Gentile come in. Most likely that fullness is going to be fulfilled near the start of the tribulation. And the Jews are slowly going to have their eyes opened. And they're going to see, the Bible talks about in the Old Testament, they're going to see the Savior from whom they pierce. And they're going to weep and lament and wail when they finally get their eyes open to what they did to Jesus Christ on the cross. Okay? That's what the Bible says. So, we go a little bit further. This is... Uh, this. Uh, Abadorah Zariah, page 85. Christians are, quote, Christians are allied with hell. And Christianity is worse than incest. End of quote. 
Sanhedrin, page 668. When Messiah comes, he will destroy the Christians. Oh, is that clear? That would lie up real well with the Antichrist, wouldn't it? When their Messiah comes? Because he's going to come as the Jewish Savior as well as the Savior of mankind. What is, okay, then Sanhedrin, page 601 and 602. Those who read the Gospels are doomed to hell. End of quote. I don't know of anything more, more blasphemous against the Bible than this. I don't know of anything. Sanhedrin, page 7. This is unbelievable. What does the Talmud say on sexual perversion? Talk about anything goes, here we go. This is worse than, than the Catholics, the Catholic pedophile priests. Sanhedrin, page 367. Quote, It is permitted to have sexual intercourse with a girl three years old and one day. End of quote. Yeah. Now, if you go and try to look at the Talmud, they're like this thick. Book after book after book, the Babylonian Talmud. I actually saw a video one time where this guy was pulling the books off the shelf and opening up to these verses that was online. So he was actually showing you, this is not being made up. This is real. It is permitted to have sexual intercourse with a girl three years old in one day? In other words, you couldn't have sexual intercourse with her if she was just two years old. But it's okay if she's three years old in one day. How sick and disgusting. May the Lord Jesus Christ rain down, their, rain down His fury on this cursed book. This is from Yibamoth, page the, on the Babylonian Talmud, page 371. Intercourse with a dead woman is apparently permissible. Intercourse with a dead woman. Whoa. You know what that's called? Necrophilia. You talk about twisted perversion. Necrophilia. I don't... How could... Anybody. I, I, I'm sorry, this stuff, I mean, being gay doesn't compute to me at all. A sex with a dead one, but evidently it's permitted according to the Babylonian Talmud. Which actually, remember, harken back, the Babylonian Talmud is actually a higher authority than the Bible itself. Including the Torah. Here's another quote from Kibberoth, page 58. Sexual intercourse with a girl less than three is nothing. End of quote. You know what Jesus Christ said? He said, it would be better if a millstone were hung about your neck and you'd be cast into the midst of the sea than you offend one of these little ones. And yet these scum that wrote this had the audacity to put this in print. Oh, this makes me mad. Sanhedrin, page 371. If a man commits sodomy with a boy less than nine years old, they are both guilty of sodomy. Now what does this imply? This implies that if he is ten years old or older, I guess it's okay. Do you realize that right now in Israel, Tel Aviv is considered the gay capital of the world? It is. Tel Aviv, they have their gay um, national convention, gay pride day, the national park for the whole world in Tel Aviv every year. Actually, it's been canceled the last two or three years. I think God's intervened. He hasn't let it happen. But um, there's some wicked, wicked, wicked stuff going on right now in Israel. Now, I'm not saying America's, you know, great either, but... Some bad stuff going on over there. So how dare, this is from this, this dispatch, how dare some Christian groups refuse to preach the gospel to the Jews because it might offend them. We have heard of certain well-known witness, we have heard of a certain well-known witness to Israel, which insists that all who go with them to Israel must not mention Jesus Christ or the gospel. Oh no. Now God will one day call these people to account for the loss of the precious souls 
who have gone to a Christless eternity. A well-known leader of this embassy told a pastor that he could not preach Christ Jesus because the dear Jews cringe when the name of Jesus Christ is spoken. You know why? Because so many of them are probably demon-possessed of the toenails. They don't want to hear the name of Jesus Christ. They don't want to hear it. So, that's how we're going to go ahead and end for today. Um, Hopefully this has been a blessing to you. And I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer for today. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that you've given us, Lord, for all your goodness and your mercy, Lord God, for all that you've done for us, Lord God, for most of all, for what Jesus Christ has done on the cross to save our souls. Lord, I pray, God, that if any's listening to this message this day that is not saved, that you'd save their souls, Lord, for what you will, that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. I do pray, Lord God, that you would forgive us for any and all sins that we have committed in any way, shape, and form, Lord God. That you would wipe our slate clean, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. I just thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and your mercy. I do pray, Lord God, for your fear to be upon the sin-sick world, to be upon the body of Christ. And that, Lord God, that fear would drive us closer to thee. And that, Lord God, through the body of Christ through these broadcasts, that many, that your name would be glorified, that many people would get saved in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We claim Psalm 64, Lord God, over the body of Christ and how it would apply to us, Lord God, for your protective hand, and Lord God, over the wicked, Lord God, that you would overthrow the wicked, that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, Lord. I pray, God, if it be possible, their souls be saved. But if not, Lord God, I pray if they be judged in this life, many would be saved in regard to you judging them. I pray Psalm 64 now. Hear my voice, O Lord God, my prayer. Preserve my life from the fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words, that they may shoot in secret of the perfect. Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They commune of laying of snares privily. They say, who shall see them? They search out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search. Both the inward thought of every one of them in the heart is deep. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded. So they shall make their own tongues to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away. And all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in him. And all the upright in heart shall glory. We love you, Lord God. We thank you for your goodness and mercy. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.